Hi, I'm Jamie Flinchball, host of People Solve Problems, and today we have uh, another guest, Frank Nassori, to uh, join us. Good to see you. Good seeing you, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad glad to have you here. Um, so Frank is the, the vice president in MathTech's public sector uh, consulting practice. So he he works with you know all sorts of different, mostly governmental agencies at at, at a bunch of different levels. Um, spends a lot of time helping clients visualize their future and create plans to achieve it. Uh, so great, you know, strategy and and then execution and brings a variety of perspectives to his work with clients from his varied professional and personal background. Uh, so we've we've talked shop before um, and uh, always enjoy it. So uh, uh, we're here to talk about problem solving. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Awesome. So, you know, both in your teams and, and with your clients and that, that work, there's there's plenty of problems to go around. So how do you prioritize problems uh, when, of course, there's so many things to go work on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I think there's a variety of types of problems. So as you said, a lot of the work that, that I do, that our teams do, is around helping um, uh, public sector agencies kind of figure out what their future is and plan that future out and then actually implement that future. Uh, and, and that always touches on way, changes in the way they operate, use technology. So there are problems within that that are big and they're, they're large problems and they have many different impact points. So when I start to think about problems and prioritization, I start to think from that lens. What is the impact? who's impacted, how many are impacted, um, and then also the time. So when we're doing those sorts of projects and we're talking about changing the way an agency, which applies to any organization, uh, does their work and trying to improve it and use technology, one of the problems we encounter is people have to get used to that change. They have to embrace that. They're going to have a whole new way of working in the future. And in the public sector, it's very pronounced and very stark Typically, because you're going from older systems, manual processes into a more modern automated world. So that's a big problem. Um, and it's it's a long running problem. Um, and so the strategy for that and the prioritization for that is to say, well, we need to look at how that happens over the life cycle of what we're doing and what can we do to mitigate that. So that's more longer running. But in terms of more what I would call day to day problems in terms of our project work, because everything we do is a project, start, mm -hmm. finish, um, uh, specific goals in mind, there are problems that pop up every day. And um, the prioritization there is typically the same. What's the impact? Who's impacted? How quickly do we need to respond? Um, and I would even say when I think problem, I think from a, a project management standpoint, there are risks and there's, there are issues. And risks are things that things that could happen and have an impact, and issues are things that are happening and having an impact. So I think problems are issues. But I also, when I think about problems, think about risks, because those are things that could become problems. And obviously, I have, hopefully, <laughs> longer lead times so you can react to them. So I think it's a variety of um, lenses. And um, so, you know, what's the impact? What's the timeline? What are what are things that can be done? Um, how many other people need to be involved, et cetera? Yeah, I, I love a couple of things to that, that I really loved about that that whole thing. You know, first is it does depend on on your perspective in that situation. And 
plenty of people, and I imagine this is true in the public sector as well, you could just sit at your desk and have no aspirations of moving forward, but you're still going to be filled with problems. But you're really defining problems as, I want to hit a new future. I have a, a vision of what the future looks like. And then what are the problems to get to there? That's actually going to look for problems, essentially. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's and, a good point. Yeah. And and then, you know, use those to, to help achieve that future. And then I, I do think time, you know, as you said, you know, the resources and when and, you know, is a, is a big factor in this uh, that doesn't get enough attention. Um, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask people when they talk about a big problem is, why now, right? Mm -hmm. why, why not last year? Why not next year? So that just thinking about time is, a, is an important aspect. So yeah. um, so in your role as a, at, at sort of the VP level, there's a lot of different ways you can engage in problem solving. So, so how, do you, how do you think about and decide what your role, your personal role needs to be between delegation and ownership and engagement and facilitation? There's so many different choices there. So how do you... How do you decide on your role? Yeah. Yeah, that is something that I admittedly I still struggle with today. I mean, I think when you um, get more and more positions of leadership and more and more responsibility, from what my experience, that happens because you're really good at executing and getting things done. And then as you get more and more leadership responsibility, the expectation is that you're overseeing and you've got teams to get those things done but speaking personally my comfort zone is getting things done mm -hmm. so now leading people and leading teams it's a constant um um evaluation loop and have you ever heard of the OODA loop you've heard of the OODA loop. absolutely yeah OODA loop is uh i don't say well known but a, a great model for thinking about learning and problem solving yeah, yeah. So our our team has been kind of focused on that decision making framework. This past year, we've done some presentations on it, and um, and in a in in a sense, there's a continuous set of OODA loops running in my head about prioritization. Um, and I think again, just like how do you deal with problems, how do I deal with delegation, is sort of the same thing. You know, there are questions like, can how important is this thing? What's the time frame? Am I the best person to do it from the standpoint of, am I going to execute this better than anybody else on the team and get it done the best way? Um, do I have team members that could get it done better than me? Right. That's, that's why I bring people on board. They're better than me at certain things. That's what the team should be. Mm -hmm. um, are there elements in that um, delegation OODA loop, which are, yeah, I could do it. At 100%, of course, if, if I think if I do it, it's going to be 100% from my standpoint, right? <laughs> but what if I delegate it, and it's 80%, and it gets it done, and I'm able to focus on other things, I'm able to kind of look ahead, as opposed to looking down at that problem in front of me. Those are some of the things that I think about when it comes to uh, delegation, but it is a constant um, evaluation, because there's the initial onset of a problem or an issue. And okay, how do we deal with this? And do we delegate that? Do we work on it as a team? Do I handle it? And then there's the ongoing evaluation of how it's going. Mm -hmm. Because you might need to change gears. Um, something else might come in for which the delegated person is better at and is higher priority. Something else may come in that affect my, affects my availability. So I just think it's that constant um, 
set of questions that I ask myself. Yeah, no, very interesting. And, and, and I think, you know, that's, you know, how do you ask that question of, you know, am I the right person to solve it? If you look at it at an individual problem standpoint, that's one thing, but if you see it as a portfolio of problems, very different, right? So as you said, like, yeah, I might, I might solve this problem better, but that means I'm not going to solve this other problem. And so I, I think asking questions like, what, what problem am I the only one who can solve? And let me start there and then right. let other people solve the, solve the rest. I like um, that. Yeah. I, I do want to ask the OODA loop uh, a, a little bit about the OODA loop for, for you all. How, how did that, how did that get introduced? Is that like just a, a framework everybody's using or is it more of a sort of casual idea in the background? So I don't, I don't recall when I heard about it, <clears throat> maybe a year or two ago in kind of a formal setting, some um, uh, leadership books or podcasts. And um, the, so it was introduced to our team um, maybe a year ago. And I said, you know, I think that this would be an interesting decision-making framework as we go and we talk to, we do a lot of conferences, we do a lot of presentations, interesting topic. And it really was um, met with a lot of success uh, in terms of the audience. And one of the things that I <clears throat> wanted us to get across was this is, um, to me, one of the best things to keep in mind about that OODA loop cycle is try and do it quickly and react to your decisions because there's no such thing as a wrong decision. There are decisions which just drive different actions, right? So the whole, and you know better than I do, the origin of this was uh, fighter pilots. Mm -hmm. And the idea was quickly responding and why are American fighter pilots better than Russian fighter pilots? Because the Russian pilots had better planes, but American fighter pilots were obviously going through this OODA loop better, had a better visual uh, view, field of view. And so they could uh, observe and orient better quicker to the decisions that were being made. That didn't, doesn't translate to the public sector, but, but the idea of saying we're not um, battling somebody right, which is how the OODA loop started, but we are battling bad process and we're battling status quo to try and improve. Um, and if we look at it that way and we use this, it, en it enables decision makers to kind of step back a little bit and say, well, I don't have to get it all right the first time. It can be incremental. And um, this is happening all the time with every decision I make. So that that was kind of the theme of it. Um, I just thought it was intriguing and I think um, it, uh, it resonated uh, pretty yeah. well. No, I love that about the, the, the rapidness of it, right? Because you can, you can learn faster by taking a rapid, fast decision and then, and then building off of that um, as you go. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to predict the answer in my head, but is, is UDA a template that you use? Do you use any templates and tools or is it just sort of, the conversation and I'll say, like you said, in, in your head. I think it's a lot, um, right now it's a mindset that our team has. Okay. I mean, we th there is a basic tool that we have for it that we put together, but, but it really to me is a mindset because the other part of that success for me, my perspective of the OODA loop is you have to really let go of the decision, the results uh, being linked to yourself. So it has to be you're you have to kind of let go of the um, angst of saying, well, if I make a decision and it's wrong, it's on me and I'm going to look bad and it's not going to be good. 
to really use it effectively in my mind, it's we have a goal as a team. Let's go forward. Here's a decision. Let's react to it and not worry really about who did anything right or wrong throughout that process. So um, right now it's a mindset for our team that we're bringing uh, to bear with our, with our clients. I love that. So uh, yeah, that was my prediction. So the way you described it, you were living it rather than, you know, sort of getting stuck in it. So uh, yeah. fantastic. Um, so you, you talked about delegation and letting your team, you know, solve problems and you have all this experience that you bring to the, to the process. So, so I want to talk about coaching a little bit, how you, how you coach your team, how flexible you are in your coaching. Do you adjust to their needs? Do you have your own style? Um, you know, whether it's individual or team-based, how do you, how do you think about your role as a, as a coach in, in the work? Yeah, I think um, from my perspective, coaching is very informal and um, it typically is reactive. Uh, it's almost uh, employ the OODA loop <laughs> with, with coaching mm -hmm. uh, because I, I have found that um, it really depends on how the, uh, I'm interacting with the folks that I'm working with. So whether it's a client, whether it's members of my team, I just try and be receptive and kind of, um, I use this term, you know, read the room and kind of see how it's going because I've had situations where I've thought I would go in with a certain approach. Um, you know, I'm, uh, you and I have known each other a long time. You know that, you know, sometimes I can be pretty top down, pretty direct. This is what we're doing. And uh, obviously, surprise, that doesn't always work. Um, <laughs> especially when you're coaching and, and have a team. So I've had to adjust that and I've had to adjust that based on the reactions that I've gotten. Um, and that's been part of a, it's been a learning process for me. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, as leaders, we're not right all the time and we're not perfect and it's okay to go and approach something and then reevaluate and, change your approach and even admit that maybe I didn't approach that so well, but let's, let's move forward as a team. Um, I think that helps with relationships, which are key to, to any sort of coaching um, uh, model. Yeah. I, I, I will say the term coaching for me is always a bit of a challenge mm -hmm. um, and um, a little bit of my, my personal perspective on it. It almost um, indicates a hierarchy. And um, I feel like the best sort of interactions I've had were just devoid of that sense of hierarchy. And um, I mean, obviously it exists, but, but, you know, the best sort of situations were where that, that hierarchy wasn't really at all prominent. And it was acknowledged that even though I, I might be the de facto leader on a project or the de facto authority on something and I'm leading this officially, I'm still learning too. And I can still be coached and I can still be um, taught things by everybody. Mm -hmm. And it, when, when I've worked with teams that have had that mindset, like we've, you know, knocked, uh, knocked down walls, like we've done a lot of great stuff. So um, I think it's just a personal perspective I have in terms of words and sometimes, um, words I think are important the connotation of, of words so yeah no I I do and certain organizations have that you know they have bad history with the word coaching and um uh, it, it's not always the right word um and and it, it doesn't always have to be that overt um 
So mm-hmm. I, I'd imagine, uh, I'll ask the question anyway, but do, do people know they're being coached or uh, when, when you go into coaching mode or does it just sort of become part of the conversation? I think uh, for me personally, it's, it's just part of the conversation. I, I, I think there are um, other situations, other folks on our team that do have and like to establish the fact that they're, they're coaching. Um, and I think that works too. Uh, but for me, I feel like um, the best uh, situation for me and even as I receive it uh, is let's just have a conversation like person to person. And um, um, that's just how I've approached it. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've told lots of people, I believe, Coaching is a very personal thing and you have to bring you to the table. And, and so what, what's the right, the right way to coach is the right way for you to coach rather yeah. than somebody else's approach. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And you have to really I think it goes back to just being receptive to what that other person is bringing to the table that you're talking to. You're going to find out pretty quickly how it's going. And uh, so that's important. Fantastic. Well, that's a, uh, it's a lot of ground to cover. So, I uh, appreciate you sharing your thoughts and experiences and the OODA loop with uh, everyone. (laughs) So, uh, and wish you and the team all the best. Great. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the People Solve Problems podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Visit jflinch.com for more episodes and other content. And continue to join us on your podcast app, of course. We greatly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings. Consider expanding your understanding of problem solving with Jamie's book, People Solve Problems, The Power of Every Person, Every Day, Every Problem. Available on Amazon. Until next time, keep learning, innovating, and solving problems.